Hey, it's the Baldy Bishops. Hey, Matt. Hey, Abrella. You alright? I'm doing very well. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You look like a bit worse for wear. These flipping menthol crystals, man. <laughs> you recommended them because I've been I'm on the other end of being poorly. Yeah. And you said they draw they draw out all of the congestion or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but it feels weird and that so. does feel weird. <laughs> I feel like everything is trying to run out of my body right now. <laughs> so just to be clear, it's menthol crystals, not 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 other, any other Yeah. <laughs> Not meth crystals. <laughs> no, or no. Uh, so segueing from menthol crystals into, hey, this is the idea, you know, we're trying to draw out what's inside of us. Hey, there and we go. The gospel's inside of us. We're trying to draw it out and to yeah, so good. live life around us. So um, the beautiful segue there. So uh, yeah, last week in Thessalonians, we saw Paul call the believers to keep growing in three different areas, uh, in their love for one another, in their honoring one another, including in sexual relationships and in familial affection for one another. And what we looked at was the God, our God is a God of infinite abundance. He generously gives to us in abundance. And we, his children are called to receive that abundance from him. And they give it out to everyone around us and especially to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Christian life is a life that, that looks up to Christ to receive and then looks out to others to serve and to care. And that's the Christian life really. And, and small summary we receive from Christ, we give out to other people and yeah, um, but if you don't have that receiving stuff, you're giving out, it's going to be a disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it has to be gospel truth, a gospel identity first, and then from that gospel practice and gospel community yeah. uh, flows. You can't have, you can't put the cart before the horse in this scenario. Yeah. It's like the, the source, you know, the source is pure and the source is powerful. It all comes into that, doesn't it? If we haven't received that, then we can't be channeled. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, start with gospel truth. Um, before we look at the commands of the one another's in the rest of Thessalonians, we got to consider the gospel truths that are ours in Christ. Because as we just said, our obedience to Christ, including this love for one another, flows out of what Jesus has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. So uh, we'll just get some verses on the gospel truth that we can then use to speak into what does Paul want us to do with this gospel truth and gospel identity information. Uh, so the first one is First Thessalonians 4 verse 17. You want to grab that? Yeah. 4 verse 17 says then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus shall we ever be with the Lord all right just simple Jesus is coming back to bring us to himself and we're never going to be departed from him again uh he's going to be we're going to be with him forever those who died in Christ we're going to be with him forever as well so that Jesus has died has risen again and those all those who died in him are going to rise again so that's the first one. And then we go to chapter five and verse five, um, where it says that you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So we once were, as it says in like Colossians and stuff like that, we were once of the darkness, but now we're no longer. Uh, we are now of the day and of the light. We're children of the day, children of the light. And that's a transformation that only Christ can make. Yeah. So I'm, that's only because of the gospel. Yeah. And then... Uh, chapter 5 verse 9 to verse 10 if you grab that one yep concerning brotherly love you have no need oh, that I... chapter 5 verse 9 to 10 oh sorry about that I'm in the wrong chapter 
verse 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. All right, so we've been rescued from the wrath to come. Jesus died for us, and we're going to live our eternal lives with him forever. Yeah. That's some just some good gospel truths. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Precious. All right, so in, in light of those gospel truths, uh, Paul gives us a couple more one another's for us to look at in chapter 4, chapter 5. And the first one is comfort and edify one another, or comfort, console, yeah. and build one another up. Um, so we're not going to read all the verses because um, we're really not trying to get into the the details. We're trying to look at the one another principles. Yeah. But um, in chapter four, verse thirteen to seventeen, you kind of you want to give a little bit of a thirty second synopsis on that. Uh, thirteen to seventeen. <laughs> yeah. So those who are fallen asleep without Christ have no hope. Those who die in Christ. Um, I identify and fully experience his death and resurrection. So just as Jesus is alive, those who are, quote-unquote, asleep in Christ will rise someday, uh, and that will find its culmination in Jesus returning and rising those from the dead. Yeah. So some of the Thessalonian believers have have died since Paul left, and they're a bit, the other ones who are left behind are worrying about that. Like, what do we... you know? Our loved ones have died. Are they are they going to miss out on the resurrection then? Mm. And Paul writes to ensure them, like, no, no, no. In fact, they're going to rise first, and then you'll rise, and you'll be with them forever. So he, he writes to ensure them that they haven't missed it, um, and actually they they're going to share in that hope that we all have of the resurrection of Christ. We go over to chapter five, verse one to ten, and it, we're 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 still in this sort of um, eschatology stuff of like Christ returning, and it's more of like when's he going to come, and are we going to be caught out when he comes if we don't know the exact timing. And, and Paul basically is saying, you know, you're not going to be caught out because you're children of the light now. Um, so you're not, you're not like, you're not going to be like caught out in the sense of not being able to experience the resurrection yeah. um, because you're saved already. So now there's lots of debate about the details and the exact timing of the return of Jesus. And we're not going to get into that. Um, but what, we're, what I want us to see is what are we meant to do with the truth of Jesus's return? Yeah. Um, so Jesus is coming back. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We're going to rise. We're going to be with Christ forever. Um, and what are we meant to do with that truth? And the answer to that question is found in verse 18 of chapter 4 um, and chapter 5, verse 11. So if you want to get chapter chapter 4, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. And then chapter 5, verse 11. 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. All right, so the return of Jesus for his people is not meant to be something we fall out over and, you know, <laughs> all this, all the tragic uh, schisms that we see. It's actually meant to be a truth that we use to encourage, comfort, and build each other up. Yeah. yeah. I've been reading or listening back through a podcast that really helped me and you, and he talks about how Francis Schaeffer in his book, um, No Little People, talks about two different orthodoxies. Mm. So there's orthodoxy and doctrine. Mm. Then there's the orthodoxy or practice of the doctrine. Mm. So you can you can be very orthodox on your uh, view of the return of Christ, but if that doesn't impact uh, your living and your treatment of others, yeah. then you're actually, um, as he says, you're teetering on the edge of heresy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So if you're really passionate about the 
about eschatology, about yeah. the return of Christ and the last things. Let's see chapter four, verse 18 and chapter five, verse 11, spilling out of your heart That's and, and, and your life. Yeah. So the, re- the return of Jesus for his people is, is our blessed hope. It's our happy hope. Um, when you're suffering physical pain, when we're stirring death in the face, when life is hard or bleak, when we're defeated by our own temptations yet again, when we're hurt by the sins of other people, when relationships are frayed, the wonderful truth that one day Jesus is going to come back inspires us to press on in a life that's hard. Um, so we, we live our lives here in light of eternity. And you spoke into that on Sunday. On Sunday, we had our fellowship meal. Um, and you were saying, well, you can speak into it, but you were saying this meal is just a shadow of, of a future meal that's coming where we all share in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah. And so you were saying, like, treat each other like that's true. Like, yeah. that, it, enjoy this meal together as if it's true. Yeah. Like, live out your eschatology. Yeah, yeah. In, in this meal you're sharing together today. So that's going to be the consummation Christ and his bride coming together. Mm-hmm. So this eternal union that we experience in part now, mm-hmm. um, experiencing like that coming to full fruition and the joy and the fellowship and the um, delight that we'll have in that moment, um, our fellowship here on earth should be um, a foretaste of that. Yeah, it's the appetizer for the main yeah, course. That's right. So what's amazing about this, these two commandments, 418 and 511, is that Paul, I mean, everyone's everyone in Thessalonica, all the Thessalonian believers are going to read this letter, right? Yeah. They're going to gather together and they're going to read this letter. And then Paul says to them twice, comfort one another with these words. And and so they've already heard it from Paul. But Paul says, these very words that I'm teaching you guys now, use them down the line to comfort and build each other up, to console one another, to help each other. Um, and so all what Paul's telling us to do then is, remind each other of what's true yeah. keep reminding yeah. each other of what's true now, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to teach each other these things i'm telling you to remind each other of these things when life is hard when yeah. things are tough yeah yeah and, and that's that's what's so important about us gathering together that's what's so important i mean i to, to me now at this point in my life i feel like that's one of the most important parts about sunday morning is that we're all coming together and we're all telling each other what's true. Yeah. Of course, we're glorifying God and we're yeah. singing praises to God. But in doing so, my praise to God is a testimony to you mm. that the gospel's true. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. man, I need to hear that on a day when I've struggled, when when I walk in feeling wounded. Yeah. Um, and I need to hear that the gospel's still true, that God is still faithful. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and what's lovely about chapter five, verse eleven, is it ends with "just as you also are doing." So what he's saying is, I know you guys are already comforting and building each other up. Do it all the more. Yeah. So this is the fourth one another commandment we find in First Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. And it's the fourth one that says, I know you're doing it, but do it even more. Mm-hmm. So I know you love one another. Love each other even more. Yeah. I know you're walking in honor with one another. Walk in honor even more. Mm-hmm. I know you've got familial affection for one another. Do it even more. And then here, I know you're comforting and building each other up, but do it even more. So keep growing because God's a God of infinite abundance. And you receive infinite abundance from Him. Give that way to one another. Uh, you know, I'm, I met I met up last week with uh with with, with a guy in our church. Uh, I'll, ju- I'll just name drop him. His name's Joe, and uh, he's, he's struggling. Um, he, he's he's just been saved, and he's struggling with this new life that he's coming into, and and uh, some friends going away, yeah. and and this void that this new lifestyle and new reality kind of kind of brings in. Mm. Whilst it's exciting, and and he's he's he's, he's delighting in Christ. Um, but, but he, but he said to me over and over again, and this, this was, this was on a Friday and he said, he said to me at the end of the week when I was feeling overloaded with things, he said, no matter what happens, like, I'm going to follow Jesus. Mm. 
because like he's he saved me and changed my life. Longer. And so so that that's beautiful on a Sunday morning to comfort one another mm. with the words of the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Yeah. But on a, it's it's even more impactful maybe on a Friday evening yeah. at the yeah. end of a really hard and difficult and burdensome week. Yeah. For a brother, and this is, this is a brand new Christian brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for a brother or a sister to come alongside of you and say, you know what, the gospel is true on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So it's not just see Sunday Christianity. Yeah. So a question then in four eighteen and five eleven, who is doing the comforting and edifying? Mm-hmm. Who, who are the people who are doing that? Yeah, that's. I mean, it has to be us, doesn't it? Uh, it's it's every believer. Every believer. Um, we're we're all being called to dispense the hope of the gospel to each other. Yeah. It's not just the pastors. Yeah, it doesn't say, therefore, pastors comfort the congregation. Therefore, deacons fulfill your mercy ministry by by looking after the congregation in these ways. Women who lead the women's ministry, it doesn't. It says each other, one another. Yeah. So this is every person in the body comforting every other person in the body, building each other up. Mm-hmm. So it's whether you're... Uh, wait, we know there's some teenagers listening to the podcast and 15-year-olds can comfort <laughs> yeah, yeah. 40-year-olds and 60-year-olds and... Six-year-olds can comfort twenty-year-olds, and you know we can all comfort one another with the truths of of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, last night we really tried to challenge people. You can say that you're loving this gospel community stuff, but it's going to take all of us actually doing this one anothering for it to really impact. Yeah. Um, and so the question we asked was, who have you reached out to to comfort this week? Like, who have you reached out to this mm-hmm. week to comfort them um, going through yeah. difficulties? I, you know, just before we pressed record here today, you know, John the Hammer phones like how is your wife in Korea and he's going through stuff himself and then he phones to ask about my wife and um that he and assure me that he's praying for her and stuff and it's just like he reaches out in his affliction yeah. to come for me <laughs> you know and that's what we're called to do for one another you know we, we often um I've, I've, used, I've used this phrase in in terms of i think during the gospel lens series or something like that but um component parts of a whole mm. so a lot of times when we think about um exhibiting our fruit um, uh, and our, our spiritual gifts among one another. We think of involvement. We think of getting involved in this, getting involved in that, this ministry, that ministry, this work, that work. And we're component parts of a whole. Mm. You know, like one one whole with many members working together, contributing to the same common goal. Um, but when it comes to this one another, it works the same way. Mm. So we're we're only we're only as healthy as our weakest. Yeah. Brother or sister. Yeah. So we're component parts of a whole in our in the comfort that we're extending to one another. Yeah. Beautiful. So the call is then get together with someone this week and comfort them with the truth that perhaps they're in pain right now. They're probably there's some physical pain or chronic pain. And it's not just, you know, blase, but it's part of the comfort is Jesus is coming back and pain will be no more. Yeah. Um someone who's who's facing death, whether it's their own death or the death of the loved one. Jesus is coming to raise that person or to raise you from the dead again. Um, the broken relationships, Jesus is coming to restore that relationship one day. Um, someone who's defeated by their own sin, Jesus is coming and you'll never sin that sin again. Uh, someone who's struggling with other people sinning against them, Jesus is coming to right all wrongs and they'll never. there's going to be a day where they'll never sin against you like that again. Um, people who, are feel, who feel like the world is scary or hard or bleak, Jesus is coming and it no longer will be. People who are struggling with loneliness, Jesus is coming, and you'll never be lonely again. So, part of that comforting is the is the truth of Jesus. Part of the gospel, Jesus is coming back. Right, that is is the gospel, isn't it? Yeah, like the 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 
the culmination of the gospel is new creation, right? And I'm realizing this more and more and more the longer that I'm that I'm a Christian. You know, um, thank God for the forgiveness of sins, man. If my sins weren't forgiven, then um, I, to be honest with you, Jesus hadn't saved me, I'd probably be dead by now. Mm. A lot of my friends are dropping off like flies, you know. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm realizing more and more and more that the go- the climax of the gospel is exactly what you just said that Jesus is going to right every single wrong in our mm-hmm. lives. So it's not it's not just like our sins are forgiven. Someday sins are going to be gone. Yeah. It's not just that um that Jesus has given us hope of eternity with him. It's when we're with him, all of the pain and the suffering and the grief yeah. and the shame that we experience in life this life. Yeah. It's going to be completely taken away, man. And I I don't like sorry, man. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything more glorious than that, man. Yeah. That's just, that's my hope, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the hope of, of, of the Narnians when Aslan's coming. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. Yeah. Uh, when they hear his roar, winter will be no more. The shake of his mane will have spring again. And they're waiting for Aslan's return. And we're waiting for Christ's return to make all yeah. things right. Yeah. Um, and in Lord of the Rings, uh, in the in Silmarillion and in, in Children of Hurin, Hurin is like the last guy standing. He's, he's like slaying 70 different, like he's just surrounded by orcs. And every time he, he like cuts one down, he shouts out, I'm gonna get it wrong. Ori and Tuvala or something, which is day shall come again. And he he knows he's about to get caught. He knows he's about to get killed. But he's striking saying one day day will come back. Yeah. And and the people of the night will never will not have the final victory. And so he's living and dying in light of the final victory that's coming. And so do we. Yeah. But we have to comfort each other with that truth. Yeah. Because life is hard and there's bleak moments and there's d- days of real struggle and difficulty, whether it's sin and relationships, pain or loss. And part of the comforting is reminding each other he's coming back. He's going to fix this. Yeah, yeah. Can I bring some more Tolkien into it? Because <laughs> I was, you know, I'm, I told him listening back through this podcast. One one thing that um, that that Sam Alvar says on this podcast, he's, he's talking. I think it was him. Uh, he, was, he was talking about the church is not a place where we feel welcome to open up to each other mm. it's not a place where we feel comfortable being wounded for whatever reason it's because mm. we for one we've not um earned that level of trust with one another yeah. but we we all create these like um a sinless personas of ourselves yeah. which are false mm-hmm. and it's just a facade because all of us i mean we're, we are so broken mm-hmm. like in this world in this fallen world even as redeemed individuals we are so broken and the the analogy that that, that he gives in his podcast, he, he says that that the church should be like Rivendell, mm. Rivendell. Right. <laughs> um, after Frodo's been been stabbed, and his his friends collect him and take him to this this haven, this paradise, to to tend to his wounds and gather around him as a family. And he wakes up, and they're all like joyous, and he's all joyous, and they're celebrating together in spite of the fact that he's just been wounded, but they're together again. And that should be church, man. That should yeah. be church when yeah. where we're comforting one another, we're coming around one another, yeah. we're looking to that hope, and we're saying someday this is going to pass. Someday this will be over. So so let's let's uh, let's get through this thing together. It's good, man. And it's similar principles to the book I just read, little booklet. What if what if I don't feel like going to church? Fifty pages is really worth your read. And it's just like the days you don't feel like going, or the days you need to go the most. Yeah. Um, and the church also has an onus to create that environment where people can come with their wounds and brokenness. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. We're called to comfort and edify one another with these words. All right. So the second one for us is chapter five, verse 12 to 13a. 
and uh, it's about esteeming one another. So if you want to grab that first. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So this is uh, I want another command about how the church family is to treat leaders. A little bit awkward for us to speak about is uh, it's directly relevant to us, but we'll do a little bit about it. <laughs> um, so it's those who labor, which is those who serve you, those who are over you, those who lead you, and those who admonish, so those who correct and warn you. So in other words, your pastors. Um, now, how are, we, how are we to treat our pastors? Well, it says to recognize them, first of all. So just to... Re- hey, there's Alan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just hard sometimes. On how, apparently, people kind of recognize us in our video unless, until we start speaking on the live video. Um, but that's not what it's saying. It's recognizing their position, respecting them, um, and things like that. Yeah. And that says to esteem them, which is the idea of holding them in honor. But it says here very highly, esteem them very highly. Yeah. And what this means, and it's been a little bit awkward to talk about, but what it's actually literally translated to you is more than excessively, more than overwhelmingly, more than abundantly, um, in an exceedingly high way, mm. esteem uh, your pastors. But it says to do it in love. So it's not out of fear or duty. It's it's out of out of love. Mm. And then it says for their work. Mm. So it's not necessarily because they have an easygoing personality or they're winsome or because of their title, but simply because of their, their work. Um, so because of, because of their gospel work. Yeah. Lovingly honor them exceedingly highly. Yeah. Because you value the gospel work. Not because you, of them. Yeah. You, uh, we talked about it last night, like you value the fact that they're going to come up on Sunday and preach the gospel to you. You value the fact that they're going to guard against the wolves of error coming in. You know, you you appreciate the fact that they're going to uh, care for the flock mm. and uh, serve the flock. So you care because you appreciate the work that they do. You show them that uh, in, in, a, in an exceedingly abundant way, according to the verse. Um, but so once again, this is the fifth one another, I think. And Paul is calling for a super abundance in this. Yeah. So super abundantly love, super abundantly honor, super abundantly uh, familial affection. Now super abundantly comfort and edify, and here super abundantly show that um, respect and warm affection for your for your leaders. And I I love that 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 is Christ in us, isn't it? That's Christ in us, more and more. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like it's more and more. Yeah. Super abundance, man. What a blessing. Because he he overflows to us. Um, See, yeah, the Christian life is a, a life of overflow because we live in the abundance of God and then we live that out in how we treat one another. Right. He's abundantly merciful to me, so I'm going to treat you with abundant mercy. You know, he's abundantly loving to me. I'm going to treat you with abundant love as I receive it from him. Uh, so that's the that's the uh, the second one another. You got anything else to add to no, that one? It's just just such a blessing, man, to, yeah. to have this... Uh... Yeah, and like David said, my cup runneth over. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just pouring over. Yeah, and I, the prayer and the intent is that flowing over will spill into the lives of other people. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Okay, so the third one another for today is verse thirteen b to fifteen, which is to keep peace with one another. If you want to grab that stuff, yeah, be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Okay. So be at peace among yourselves, verse 13, cultivate peace, keep peace, bring to peace. Um, and the reality of this is there's going to be sin, 
in the church church family, offense, error, differences, and struggles with one another, and yet we're called to keep the peace in, in all of those circumstances. But it doesn't mean that we just ignore everything, because then we get to verse 14, which is how do we treat different people in the church. Yeah. Um, and so we have three different types of people here. Um, and what we see is that not everyone wants to be treated exactly the same way. Yeah. So you have unruly people, which is, um, in, in the context here, people who weren't working because they were like, oh, Jesus is coming back. I don't have to work. And you can all look after me. Um, so they were idle, but also can mean like disorderly and undisciplined and self-willed. And they're to be admonished or warned. So they're to be approached in like a, I mean, still gently, but, you know, correction, correct those people yeah, yeah. who are doing this. But then you have the faint-hearted. Um, so they're they're timid, they're discouraged, they're afraid, and they're downcast. What do we do with them? Do we go up and warn them? What do we do with those people? And we encourage them. Yeah. So we console, <clears throat> we we encourage, we put our arms around them. Comfort them. We comfort them with the truths of the gospel. And then you have the weak, uh, the weak in the faith, the ones who are just like babes and, and, and so, so weak in their, in their walk with Christ and in their faith in Christ and things like that. What do we do to with these people? Yeah. Do we rebuke them thoroughly? <laughs> no, we, we uphold them or hold on to them. Yeah. Embrace them. Yeah. We cling to, we devote ourselves to them. We look out for them. So it, it's not even words necessarily. It's just presence. It's just being there for those people. Yeah. And then it finishes 14 with be patient with all, because as you do this, you know, as you warn the unruly, like we talked about last night, he's not the unruly one's not going to get it the first time, right? He's going to need constant, gentle correction. It's going to require patience to do it, right? Uh, the faint-hearted are not like you know. You're like the righteous are as bold as a lion, and then they go out bold as lions. It's going to take time to to help these people who are faint-hearted. Yeah, and the weak, it's not going to be one day of put your arm around them. It's going to be a it's going to be a a, a long thing. So it's yeah. this idea of being patient with all these different types of people. Mm. Um, and we just saw that true Christian maturity is shown in its ability to love and help difficult people. That's where you know you're truly mature. Yeah. One of the ways, anyway, yeah, is you're able to continue to love and help difficult people. Absolutely, yeah. And then that's that's I think that's why it begins this this bit saying be at peace with yourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Because this is covering like every every facet of the church in some way. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's good. The unruly, the fe- the the discouraged, uh, the weak. Yeah. So all of us fit into that category in, in some way or another, at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those categories throughout the week. I could be in all three areas, you know. Yeah. And I'll need you to be patient with me and stuff like yeah. that. And I love the word that you used, cultivate, because mm. um, that that speaks of culture. Mm. So like this, this is it's not so it's not one off. It's not we're looking for one chance and be like right. You know, I've I've made my piece for the but it's like. It's it's a culture in the church. Um, I, I, I said uh, on Sunday that um, at, at Parker and I went down to Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium. Which um, sorry you couldn't come with us. I'm um, glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but anyways, it was it was a, it was one of those um, decided in the last minute kind of games. You know, like a, a real like thriller, and Tottenham walked away with the wind. And I thought everybody would be like like just ecstatic about that. Ooh. And there was nothing but complaining Whoa. in the stadium, walking out of the stadium, mm. on the train, the whole way home. Mm. What it was is you had people complaining about the players, complaining about the coach, mm. complaining about the refs. And man, I got back to Stoke and I was like, I cannot wait to get off this train. Mm. Um, like, I, I love football, man. I love sport. I love competition. I love the thrill of it. Um, but but that's not the culture that I want to be part of. I don't mm. want to be a culture of conflict and complaining mm. and miserableness. Mm. 
I want to be part of a, a culture of peace yeah. where people are trying to cultivate that and striving to make peace with one another. And that brings us down to verse 15 then. So when I am wronged by my brother or sister in Christ, or in verse 15, I'm wronged by someone outside of the church assembly, so I'm persecuted or treated treated badly, um, don't seek vengeance in any, in any way with anyone against each other or those out there in word or in deed. So sarcastic cutting, you know, retorts that are clinical, all of that is a way to seek vengeance that needs to be repented of. So instead of responding in a vengeful way, using my words, which I, you know, I, admittedly I'm, I can be, I can be good at sadly, mm-hmm. um, or my deeds, yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to hear it says pursue or follow what is good. Yeah. Which, which, what, what is that? What is, what is good in, in light of these being sinned against situations? For, like forgiveness is that what we're yeah, yeah. yeah so kindness generosity and forgiveness yeah. patience to those within the church family who wrong us and those outside who wrong us really the fruit of the spirit yeah, yeah. pursue the fruit of the spirit and how yeah. you treat the people who wrong you because knowing that's how christ who hung on the cross said forgive yeah. them they don't know what they're doing to stephen stone to death lay not the sin to their charge yeah. so that's the uh that's the third of the one another's we're called to cultivate a peaceful life amongst one another yeah yeah So this might sound, uh, as you're listening, very difficult to um, to be someone who's comforting and building people up through the week, who is showing, uh, depending on who your pastors are, showing them high esteem, <laughs> right? Uh, or to, to live a, a life of patience and not rendering evil for evil. But what's beautiful is we have verse 23 and 24. Uh, so yeah, so it says, be at peace among yourselves. And it's skipping down to verse 23. Go for it. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. All right. So it's the God of peace who is working all of this in you. He's calling you to something, but he's enabling you to live out as well. He's working to make you perfectly holy in your deeds and in your relationships. He's working to preserve you in the present. And on that future day, you're going to be presented to him blameless because of his work in you. He has called you and he's the one that's faithful to bring this all about. So you don't have any strength in yourself to do these one another's, but you're not left to your own strength. You're left the strength of the God of peace who is working mightily in you to bring this to pass. I think it's actually very, very profound that verse number 25 on the coattails of that, he actually goes on to say, brethren, pray for us. Yeah. So he's saying like, we're needy. Yeah. Like we need God to work through us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Keep, keep us in your prayers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in verse 28, before we get to the final one, another, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So it's, mm. it's, there's grace with us every time we mess this up and we, and we, when we struggle and we had a bit of confession last night, you know, about how we struggled in these different areas and there's grace that forgives you. Yeah. But, uh, but then again, there's also grace that empowers you to live the way Jesus is calling you to. So his grace is with you, forgiving you for every failure and empowering you in every moment to live like all this is true. And so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's very hard. And we have to persevere at times. God in grace is persevering with us, yeah. offering us the ability and the desire to do it as we, yeah. as we struggle. Absolutely. Okay, so the final one another we have in First Thessalonians is chapter 5, verse 26. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. All right, so 
Uh, <laughs> so I know we've talked about this this verse before. Our different different it comes up a few times. It's Paul brings it up four times in his epistles and calls it a holy kiss. Peter brings it up once and calls it a kiss of love. Mm. And we know that culturally that may not be something that can happen in the 21st century, especially maybe not still on trend. I don't know. But what it is calling us to in verse 26 culturally is affection of family and close friends. So a, a physical expression of friendship, love, and unity towards one another. Mm. That's what it's calling us to here. Yeah. Um, greeting one another as we come into the same room as one another with warmth and affection is a command of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm. That this is what you're called to do by Christ mm. to greet one another with this holy kiss or with, with warmth and friendship and affection. I think think about when when like uh soldiers come home from um the battlefield and things like that. You know, I those things get me every time when I watch those videos mm. of, mm. of of a father who's been away from a a wife or a mm. child for like um, you know, like six months, a year, two years, and they come home and sometimes they're meeting children they've not even like met yeah, yet. Right? Yeah. You know. But it's the idea of um the family back together and back home yeah. and just this embrace and tears and I'm not saying I'm not saying that when, when I walk in the church on Sunday that you like <laughs> jump into my arms and <laughs> weep into the but but just this um being overjoyed at one another's presence yeah. like the family's whole. Yeah, and again, man, like thinking about people who've had a hard week walking into that room on a Sunday or walking into the home groups on Wednesday night or whatever and it's like hello hello all right all right mm-hmm. like they need more than that and yeah. they've been through it they need maybe they're struggling with unbelieving relationships and what they need is their believer and brothers and sisters to bring them to welcome them back into the community that's gathered mm-hmm. with warmth and affection in front I need that mm-hmm. you know I've we've talked to you recently about how much actually that means something to me um and I know it means something to so many people, and a lot of people in the church are really good at that sort mm-hmm. of war- expressing of warmth and expressing of affection. Mm-hmm. It's a command of God. Um, it actually matters to God that we do this very simple mm-hmm. thing of making it about one another by mm-hmm. by how we greet one another mm-hmm. when we come into the room. Now I'm going to be candid, right? Um, um, I don't think I'm good at this because I don't think it comes naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think conversationally, mm-hmm. as as a friend, um. I think I'm very warm and and very like personable, but just like walking into the room, I'm very awkward. Mm. I can be really awkward at times and, and struggle to know what to say or how to act when I, when I walk into the room. Mm. But, but the idea isn't that you have a, a rehearsed way of coming into the room yeah. or that you have to like put on something. It's just the idea of you naturally being delighted to see your brothers and sisters mm. and, and, expressing love in some way yeah. by your reaction to seeing that. Yeah. What you said, just there now, man, this doesn't come naturally to me, I think is really is really important to understand because none of none of these one another commandments come natural to us. You know, yeah. being patient with one another, living in peace with one another and our differences and struggles, uh, loving each other in, a, in, a bun- in an abounding way, sacrificially, unconditionally, you know, none of this is natural. And so this one is, well, it's not natural to me, but it's the work of God through the gospel in me. Yeah. Then well then this is part of the overflow. Yeah. You know, Romans said, hey, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So I bask in his welcome and it what comes out of me is welcome yeah. towards my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So again, even verse twenty six, I can't obey this for like verse twenty three exactly. <laughs> yep. and twenty four that he calls me as faithful to bring this to pass. Yeah. That I can warmly welcome my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So. It's it's almost like um seeing seeing the reflection of Christ's love for them yeah 
Yeah. You know, like like looking in the eyes of Christ and seeing that reflective love for them and then allowing that to move you. Yeah. Yeah. And it says all the brethren. That includes the difficult ones, the ones you're struggling with, the ones you have to be patient with up above in verse 14. Yeah. Greet them with that with that warmth of affection yeah. of family. So, so that's it. That's First Thessalonians. That's uh, the one another. So a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. um, in light of the future hope that we have of Jesus' return to make all things new. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Baldy Bishops podcast. If you wish to get a hold of us, you can contact us at baldybishops at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, do you want to go get that okay? That sounds great. Let's go. Let's go.